<sighs> okay, alright. Oh, I felt like I had to get into some sort of mood to try and at least get through this kind of episode, considering that there wasn't necessarily much on the table, and the first idea that came to my mind where it was just kind of thinking, you know what? I've been relatively positive. I kind of enjoy a lot of the stuff that's been coming out and what I've been talking about over the past couple of weeks. But to be fair, it's just been kind of like nothing has really changed and not a lot has given me any sort of uh, opportunity to speak anything negative, which is kind of a little bit of a backwards sort of deal to go through. But to be fair... Sometimes I'm just a little upset, and sometimes I'm a little angry for a handful of things that have been going on in the industry, and for a handful of the shows that I've been watching over the past couple of months. So I decided that, at least in this point in time, one episode I'd be able to at least go all out and just decide to say, hey, what are some things that you don't like? Considering that I know that there's so many positive things that you can say about this industry, so many positive things that you can say about the shows and how exactly they change us as people and the amount of positive outcomes that you can actually go through in enjoying a piece of media. But guess what? Sometimes it is not fucking worth it. Sometimes it is not a good opportunity or it is not a good experience for you to spend at this point in time even for a 12 episode series it's not even worth four hours of your time it is not even close you would want your time back even if you pirated that shit even if you really wanted to at least get some semblance of Pro not necessarily profit, but some semblance of having your time being worth something, the fact that you decided to pump in four hours just to watch a show that was so much of a piece of shit that you couldn't necessarily wait to at least give an opportunity to vent about it, you'd just say, hey, at this point in time, I spent nothing, and even I want my money back. So... Before we get into that, I guess there's a lot that has happened over the past two weeks, so March 14th to March 28th in 2011, so I guess the majority of it I'm just going to rapid fire at least for uh, this week's episode and then give much more in-depth, especially for a handful of topics that are essentially like really important moving forward for the rest of the year, but I mean, goddamn, dude. Most of these are worth it, but unfortunately some of them are actually going to have to just be blitzed through just so we can make it through the majority of this episode. So, Evangelion... Uh, 3.0 plus 1.0. Guess what? It's already made 3.3 billion yen in its first week, equaling 30 million. I can't wait to see this until it, uh, when it decides to come across the seas and into our theaters, because holy fuck, man, I really want to see this movie, considering that we had more than enough of an opportunity. If this, if the entire pandemic didn't necessarily happen, I would have been able to catch this by the end of the year. There's already 15 minutes up on the internet, up on YouTube, or at least some portion of it that you'll be able to watch for free. I'm not going to touch it until I get my ass into a theater and, like, sit down and finally be able to watch this in its entirety for a production that has spanned nearly a decade. In terms of, like, Attack on Titan, what has happened over the past two weeks has been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, considering that uh, for the majority of the weekends, I guess we're just going to be stretching on for three of them this case, considering that there was a magnitude 4.6 earthquake that happened in the very middle of the airing of episode 73, which in this case would have been uh, episode uh, 14 of the final season. So it ended up getting delayed to the week afterwards. So 73 and 74 came out on the same day and then leading in episode 75, which just aired this weekend. So the only thing that I'm going to say about this is that, as everybody else has heard, this was the first half, not necessarily the full half, but at least in this case, it is going to be the first part of the final season of Attack on Titan. That was honestly the biggest question on my mind because from what I'd heard and 
the amount of people that were thankfully not spoiling me on the sense that how this series was going to end, considering that it's only a handful of months until the manga finally reaches its conclusion, it was just going to be a question of, okay, are we going to finish this off with a feature-length film that's going to be two to two and a half hours long, or are we actually going to be spreading this out and actually making it the same deal as season three and making it a split-core sort of deal? And so, we got the split-core. Attack on Titans, second part of its final season, is going to be airing winter 2022 i can't fucking wait it is i I, oh dude it's it is insane i'm not gonna say anything but uh, y'all need to catch up no anime films have been nominated for the 93rd oscars um to the which is kind which is kind of unfortunate but then looking at the set the majority of them, which I absolutely loved, so we're talking about Masaki Yuasa's You Ride Your Wave. We're talking about the five to six year passion project known as Ongaku Our Song, which I watched about two weeks ago, and like, dude, the final 20, 20 minutes of that film are just more than enough of a sight to behold. Even though it was incredibly simple, it was incredibly like a bass setting for like a garage band to kind of like just bring themselves up, and it's like, yo, we want to learn music. And we just want to just kind of see what we're able to make in the baseline of our own homes. And many will say it's incredibly boring. I will admit, for the first half, it's a little wishy-washy, and you don't really essentially know what you're doing here. But by the second time, or by, by the second half rolls around, you'll know exactly what they're going for. But the surprise and the <laughs> absolute audacity of one of the main characters to basically just pop out one of these mystery instruments just to completely blow him and all of his other companions out of the water, it's absolutely fucking insane. You have to watch this. Go watch on Gaku. It is, if you are at all interested in like a uh, garage band like rock and music and anything related to those lines fucking go give it a chance man like oh my god um loop on the third the first as in the first full 3d cg animated film that Lupin is essentially putting himself in throughout the uh throughout his in- the entirety of his runtime even though this guy's been around since uh, the 80s it's like what they were able to accomplish i mean it's it's a very simple Lupin film the majority of it is just like any other just escapade that Lupin has to go through, whether it's navigating a dungeon, saving a damsel in distress, getting him and his team together to try and find out this mystery sort of uh, like rags to riches sort of embodiment that they're ha- they're able to find, and then all come together and try and like dupe, deceive, and tr- and figure out how they're able to uh, get their edge over the antagonist of the film. It's very, very bare bones in for the rest of it. The closest movie that I would probably like put this towards would probably just be uh, like Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because I mean, not only the fact that our that Nazis are essentially like a huge part of this movie, it's just like the whole. Like, like, all the connections that Indy has into the comparison that um, you're able to go through towards, like, uh, Lupin and Goemon and uh, Fujigo, like, just everybody that's able to become an ensemble cast in the majority of the film is absolutely fantastic, and the film is gorgeous. Like, I really love the design. I really love how Lupin was able to transition into 3D, because he's he's just such a wacky embodiment, and, like incredibly cartoonish like it doesn't matter how wacky and ridiculously fluid his movements are it's like that that's definitely him it's he, he's like a Hanna-Barbera character like he, he just moves to his own tune in whatever way the story needs him to be and however he needs in order to like get through and complete the mission at hand 
And so, like, Lupin would have been fantastic. I mean, in the same deal of the success back in 2016, or which in this case would have been the 2017 Oscars that people would have expected... <laughs> I was about to say Miyazaki. No, Makoto Shinkai's Your Name, in the sense that people were expecting that, where it's like, it com- it made waves in Japan, it made waves across East Asia, and it made waves across the world. There's no fucking way that the Academy completely can completely ignore this kind of success to a movie, and they just leave it down. And Your Name doesn't get nominated for Oscar. I was not surprised that Demon Slayer's movie, even though I haven't seen it, I can't, beyond a shadow of a doubt, like, right off its success. It's it, it's, the, it's the number one movie from Japan. Like, it, it is at the top of the box office inside of uh, inside the majority of the country. Like, there's no other movie that has done what it's done. D- I can understand that it was a huge, like, set of circumstances that led it to the success that it did. But I can only imagine, due to Studio Ufotable's, like, production and scheduling and the overall quality that, they're able, that they are able to produce, that... The reason that, like, it wasn't just a happenstance. It wasn't, you couldn't have put any movie in that position and give it the amount of success that it did. There's some remnant of quality that Mugen Train has been able to accomplish, and I cannot wait until it comes out for the West. Uh, For North America, tickets are on sale April 9th. Go at your own progression and get them while you can. Considering that I could only imagine that as soon as those tickets hit the market everybody is going to be jumping on there as soon as they can, just so they can at least get into a theater. It's going to be uh, concerning. It is going to be dangerous, considering that we're still in the middle of a pandemic. But take precaution, and if this is that important to you, then go for it. The only thing that would have made me angrier than that with no films being nominated would have been just earwig and the witch being nominated because I understand this is Goro Miyazaki. This is technically Studio Ghibli and they're trying to create, you know, a 3D CG picture in the same vein as Lupin to try and transition into like that new kind of production and that streamline and that pipeline just to kind of see where that goes. I, (laughs) look, hate is a very strong word. I sincerely disliked the movie with the style and the pacing and what essentially the characters were going through. And, and especially considering that the, the trailers, the uh, promotional art were all leaning towards like some sort of more musical based story was so minuscule in comparison to everything else that happened in the movie. And the, the kicker was that Hayao Miyazaki was also like not on planning, but he did a handful of storyboards or like a handful of, um, not not promotional drawing, but essentially uh, like pre post post uh, <laughs> pre post post. I'm such an idiot. Uh, like pre pre production sketches on like what this was because this is a children's story. Like this is this is literally a like a, a hand drawn uh, hand drawn story. But they went with 3D CG, and then for the the entirety of the credits, it was this like really beautiful watercolor pastel sort of like artwork that should have been the movie. Like, it was so much more of a beautiful aesthetic for this film 
but they decided to turn it into 3D, uh, 3D CG just because they could and just because they wanted to see how the project would move in that uh, in that semblance of an idea and in that kind of production, and it didn't work. <laughs> I strongly dislike this movie. I'm so, like, I'm sorry, Goro. You did Tales of Earth Sea, and it's and it's like. I really underappreciate that. The the one thing that I can give Goro Miyazaki would have been from Up on Poppy Hill. That is the one movie I'm going to give because I really enjoyed that film. Everything else has just been a little bit slipshod, and I really, I really don't know how this is going to backfire. Considering that, if this is what you decide to show as a primer to the majority of the producers at Ghibli, saying, "Hey, we can do this," like it kind of. Uh, like lightens the workload on production. Like, like this is not it, dude. This is this is fucking not it. First season of Netflix's live-action Cowboy Bebop show has finished filming. Even with the hype that I'm deciding to bring in here, you have absolutely no idea how low my expectations are. You have no idea. It's kind of unfortunate that production has been, like, kind of, like, dragged through, considering that one of the main actors, like, he injured himself and that lost, like, several months of production time, leading into COVID and, like, completely dragging everything else back down a couple of months. Like, it definitely, like, it definitely sucks that, like, that kind of production schedule, like, really grinds with the majority of the people in the crew and the actors and everybody else. But look, I'll watch it, but you have no idea how low my expectations are for this adaptation. Because there has never been, like, that kind of anime adaptation that's been brought into live action where it gives justice and more than enough of, uh, and then more than enough, uh, referential or, like, a nod to the source material. Like, it, it hasn't happened yet. And you're doing this with Cowboy Bebop, and I understand that it's a handful of episodes that we're going for an episodic series, and it works like that, but... You have no idea. My expectations are low, but the rest of the community are going to just bite at the slightest hint of blood, at the slightest hint of, like, mal-quality that if this decides to air on. I don't know... Here, let me see. Like, through, through the A&N article, so far, there's no concrete... Yeah, there's definitely no concrete date for when this is coming out, but it's like... I'm I'm definitely just gonna like call it like early, early to mid 22. Like I, I I there's no way that this is gonna be coming out this year. But just yeah, just definitely give it time. I really need to like keep rocketing through these. Let's see, Higurashi is gonna be getting another season for Go. If there's anything I can say, the new Higurashi Go it is not uh good for newcomers. Like this this is a sequel. This is literally a sequel. Whatever people were trying to advertise or leaving through, like go oh yeah no it, 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 it's a side project that's leading into the majority of the other stuff that you would know and it's like equal for like newcomers and like old uh, veterans alike. It's like no, this is a sequel. Do not go into this blind. Watch the watch the original first. If you are ever interested in getting into this kind of thriller show, watch the original first. That is all I have to say. It is going to be getting a sequel, uh, Higurashi Sotsu. So we will be getting more content like this later in the year or early 2022, but just watch the original. Watch the original first. Uh, in lighter news, uh, the Aria Benedizione, they're going to be getting a winter... Uh, oh, that that never mind. That's the winter 2020 op opening revealed. Never mind. It's going to be coming out later. Yikes. I think it's going to be later in the year. I hope. Oh, it's going to... Okay, so it's already opened. It's already opened in Japan, but 
I have no idea when it's going to be coming out west. But to be fair, I, re I really loved Arya. And I'm just going to continue watching whatever they decide to put out, considering that it's more than enough uh, worth the watch. Um, Tokyo Olympic Paralympic Games have banned overseas spectators. They are expected to keep going through with it July 23rd. Um, it's a shame that they won't be able to get that kind of revenue from the tourists and the majority of the uh, spectators that are coming through the attraction. I will still watch it regardless, because honestly, I really hope that they are able to get some modicum of success for this. Fuck, Fruits Basket. <laughs> it's already... Uh, the first episode's already aired... Uh, considering that they're doing the first two episodes dubbed. They have already aired the first episode as of March 21st, and the second Fruits Basket episode, I'm pretty sure, is going to be on March 28th, and those are both dubbed. I love this series, and the final 13 episodes, supposedly 13 episodes, considering that that's going to be an entirely other can of worms that I'll probably jump into in a recent episode, the only piece of information that we know is that it's going to be 63 episodes total, and the final episodes, or the final season is going to be 13 episodes. So, the first two episodes of the final season will have already aired, and I still need to wait an additional episode because I was never a part of the initial crowd of people that watched it, or watched the original 25-episode run in the 2000s, but... What I have seen already from the first two seasons, that of the remake that I have now, it's my front runner for being like my favorite Chojo of all time. So, I just want it for both them and for everybody else for it to stick the landing because we are all hoping for success on the show. Fuck. U.S. Department extends antitrust review of Sony's proposed acquisition of Country Roll. I will talk about this on a later episode because there is no way I can do this report justice in the sense that um, we know that Crunchyroll was supposed to be acquired by Sony, who also has a majority hold on Funimation, which would almost like take the which would definitely take the majority of anime streaming services in for the majority of the world. But it's like, okay, I'm gonna have to like really get back to you on this one because it's just, dude, this could delay by the sale by several months and could also potentially kill it. So I am going to have to jump back onto this when I am more than sufficiently, uh, like, reviewed enough on this to actually give it, but it's like, oh boy, this is actually massive for both of them. Uh, like, here comes the theme of, uh, this episode, uh, like, My Hero Academia, it's the first, uh, film's teaser, uh, is gonna, is gonna be, like, popping up, and you know what? It kind of sucks, cause... We're going to be getting an August 6th opening in Japan, which means we're going to be having another My Hero Academia movie by the end of 2021. And everybody would be asking, yo, isn't that sick? And I'm thinking, no, it's not fucking sick because you, because as Bones has shown, they know that they cannot take two separate projects from the same franchise without one of them being entirely, uh, like dragged through the mud. Okay. Dragged through the mud is a, is a hyperbole here, but it's just kind of like, what the second the second movie was able to take away from season four was noticeable, and going into because look, uh, My Hero Academia season five it is airing for spring twenty one. It is the all the first uh, like transitional the promotional episode is already out for season five. And it's just kind of like, I'm not really going to be like writing too much on it. Like a handful of jokes were good, but this is literally just a filler episode. It's a transition and to fill people in because they know it's like, yo, you've been out of the loop for more than a year. Let, let me fill you in. But it's just, I don't know, dude, it, <laughs> this is the fifth season. We already know what we're getting ourselves into. 
this doesn't have to be a repeat of the first movie that I watched where the first 20 minutes of the program was just recap telling, hey, guess what, guys? I know you're all here to watch the first My Hero Academia movie, but let's just give ourselves a 10 plus 10 minute recap of the entirety of the show so far. It's like, dude, we already know. We already know what we're walking ourselves into. Just give us the movie, please. <laughs> it was it was so ridiculous. Oh, my God. Okay, um... I, I, yeah, I think I'll, I'll go on this. Like, if you're talking about Monkey's Paw, like, me and my buddy were talking, or were talking about this, and it was more important for me specifically because it was just like, look, dude, we haven't got a hockey anime yet. And I am, like, begging for, like, some sort of adaptation. There's a handful of hockey manga out there. Like, none of them are very prevalent and definitely not to the same level of, as, like, say, Haikyuu or Slam Dunk or Kuroko no Basket. But it's like, dude, I really want to see, like, hockey on the anime stage. And then the monkey's paw curls one in. And it's just, let's do a cute girls doing cute things show all about hockey. And I'm thinking yes and no at the same time because <laughs> it's because it's just gonna be like oh yeah no cool cool i mean yeah we, we we get this kind of content this is probably going to be the first like ice skating project in like over two decades but it's like i don't even know dude i'm gonna have to like watch the trailer for this because like same deal next week but like there is absolutely nothing that is getting me hyped about this in the sense that oh kind of cool i can recognize like all the drills that they're doing but it's just gonna be like cute girls doing hockey things like i should be more excited about this but i'm not i don't know man oh boy i sh yeah i should be excited i should be happy i went through the majority of this and expected like something more but guess what guys this is the shit that we're walking into this episode is is literally the entire the entire one is just yeah, you know it's only gim why you have to be mad it's like i don't know it i i decided to jump into it and just kind of think okay this is it, like, uh, like I'm fucking over it, like, I, at this point in time, it's just, I've done enough positive works around the show, I've done, I've been, I've had it, <laughs> I've had it too good for too long, and I really need to just vent about, like, a handful of bad shows that have been popping up over the past couple of years, just to kind of, like, going through, and it's like, oh yeah, no, everything about, everything that you say about anime is great, and everything that you, uh, watch is absolutely loved, it's like, buddy, there are more than enough shows that I can jump into this where I expect something great, anything, any semblance of like, oh boy, this is actually something that I could like support down the line. And it just backfires horribly. Look, so I guess, so, okay, let's just start with something very minute. Something that where it was only one major thing that, that was a part of the series that really rubbed me the wrong way. So let's just, let's just start with, uh, like, the, the only sports one of the category, which would have been Hanebato, based off, based off of a manga series written and published by Kodansha back in 2013, ended up getting an anime adaptation in 2018, and uh, by the second episode, people on Reddit were definitely, like, hyping it up, and it's like, oh shit, we got a hardcore badminton anime, and I'm like, okay, sure, I love badminton, I play badminton, I'm in, the production on this series is knocked out of the park like the actual badminton matches are really fucking good the just the motions and 
The momentum and the dynamicism between the characters and the one-on-one matches are honestly fantastic. It was just the mother of the main of the supporting main character. That was just like, what the fuck am I am I watching a goddamn like K-drama, J-drama, like something so ridiculous in that it's just kind of like because the problem is, is that if it was just one character that this uh, mother affected, it would have been totally fine because even though she is a main character, it doesn't go through. No, like this, this mother goes through and like affects the majority of the female cast and is just kind of like, oh yeah, no, I'm going to remove myself from your life because you lost a badminton match while you were sick and i'm just thinking like you you cunt (laughs) there's like there's no other way to go and and she comes in at the end of the season like trying to uh like legitimize and and uh like give some sort of semblance of uh like reality or reason to her decision and it's like no you're you're just a you are a piece of shit mother and there is no reason that you should ever step towards like your daughter ever again considering like the mental trauma that you decided to put her through and it's just kind of like ridiculous if if you watch this from like an anti-drama or like just from a product production's point of view there's a lot to enjoy but it was just kind of like how many like characters in this show that get like caught up in her mother's bullshit is just kind of like dude there's no fucking reason why this should be happening oh my fucking god i guess like same deal where it's the exact opposite problem where uh let's just uh jump into a show from 2011 go sick so go sick is carried on victory she is the like she is the shining light of this series and her mental trauma and her growth and the majority of the mysteries that she has to solve at its center is the core and what is so great about this series too bad everybody else in this show fucking sucks though because <laughs> like her father is is like a big enough antagonist but her brother's pompadour is just so fucking out there that i cannot take like bring to like take him seriously and then like dude her main love interest Cujo. Oh my god, he, it's, it's so, it's so annoyingly cringeworthy. Like, the fact that he is the one that brings her out of her shell, like, he is such adult, and, okay, putting it, that was putting it lightly, he's such a fucking idiot that it's so, the only reason that he is allowed is, is because of his physical prowess. Like, that, like, that is it. Like, that is the only reason. He, like, he climbs an entire flight of stairs, and, like, I don't think, like, I can't remember if it, it was, he was the only one to climb, like, that many stairs just to, like, see, the, uh, Victorique at the very top of, of it, and, like, he was the only person to do it just because his legs didn't give out, but it's like, oh my god, dude, he is so fucking bland. It is ridiculous. And I think, I honestly think one of the most baffling scenarios in anime period was the okay so there's an arc where uh you know victory and kujo end up going to this like a uh, remote town and they're trying to figure out this murder or like something or some like family turmoil that's going through and it turns out to be the maid and this maid the, the and so this maid so the scenario is she goes crazy she's like burning parts of like 
flames are starting up all across the village just so she can like make her way out and like escape with her life and and try to cause as much chaos just so she can like evade the majority of the people who want her dead and but the way that the anime directs that is so slipshod and so fucking ridiculous that the majority of it let's just put it this way the the 10 second cut that happens where it's like okay the maid is brought up as insane. She has a broken lamp in her hand where she's going to light the fires. It go, it pans out to the entire village and you see fire light up, fire light up, fire light up, fire light out. And then we're all at this bridge and Cujo is trying to protect uh, Victorique at the middle of it. And this maid is like swiping like, or, like, thrusting back and forth trying <laughs> to get, trying to kill Cujo, and Cujo is unarmed, I'm pretty sure, at this point. So, like, all she would have needed to do is Cujo was, like, standing with his arms in an X-cross formation, like, X-force, <laughs> and all she needed to do was, like, get him in the gut, but it's like, nah, I'm gonna go by your right, and then graze your arm, and then I'm gonna go by your left, and graze your other arm, and then I'm gonna go by your right again, and then I'm going to, like, graze your thigh. <laughs> it was so fucking ridiculous. And, and, it, like, it, it's all, like, uh, like, maimed around Cujo. Because if it was just Victorica and, like, a, and, like, one of her own, like, assets or butlers, like, basically just helping her, like, protect her, and, and if they weren't, like, romantically involved with her, it would have just been a lot simpler. But it's, like, Kazuya Cujo is such an unremarkable character that it angered me every single time he was on screen because it was he was there to physically protect and barricade against uh, Victorica and like th- and be the uh what is it uh the Watson in the equate the quote unquote Watson in the equation just to be just to ask Victoria yo what's going on how is this possible why is this body there but the weapon is on the other side of the city and it's just oh my god it was so horrible going through the majority of this it's it's absolutely nuts Makaku City Actors is based off of a series of music videos called Kagero Days and you could take the majority of those music videos that were put on YouTube and like piece the story together but like this was definitely done by the chef b team as like a side project because everything revolving around this with the characters with like setting up and like stretching this out i definitely feel like instead of making this a 24 minute times 12 episode series was a mistake and you didn't need to drag it out all you needed to do was probably like cut it in half and make it a series of shorts you would have had a much better way to spread out your staff and your assets to like condense and make this stuff as good as it was and i only say this just because about how kagero like how good the uh music videos for kagero days are like go watch those on youtube like those are honestly great and you could get the entirety of the story just from those but then the 12 episode series that ended up coming out at the time was just so mediocre and underwhelming that you knew this was done by a b team and you knew that this was just a side project uh, like just to try and complete for the majority for the rest of them to, <laughs> just so they didn't have to burden the main staff from working on the project it was it was so unfortunate like there's and the majority of this stuff is is from like uh <laughs> just from projects and content that i actually like really enjoyed and have a personal connection with sword art online doesn't yeah oh yeah no that's right we've gotten to the sword art online bashing part of this episode because it was just look l- let me just put it this way the first 15 episodes that i was watching at the time when i was 16 was baller as fuck this was 
like when I was 16 and this was like one of the first 20 shows the one of the first 20 anime that I ever watched like this was a week by week uh, moment for me like this was one of the one of my favorite pieces of 20 uh, minute entertainment that I had throughout the entirety of that sect and then Alfine happened and I think episodes, what was it, 15 to 24 or 16 to 24 of sort of the first season of Sword Art Online basically just told me, hey, you're allowed to criticize stuff that you don't like. You are allowed to like point out things that are wrong about the pieces of media that you enjoy. And from that point on, it was just it's like, oh, so this is the piece of work that I realize that I'm going to watch all, like most of the way through and realize, oh, this is just bad. Like this is it's bad writing, it's bad characters. This is when I actually have to point myself in the right direction just so I know who which characters to follow and if they're actually set up correctly. Because by the time the first season ended, I was like, this is weird. This didn't need to happen. There was no reason for you to just take out one of, like, your strongest female characters and just throw her in a birdcage. And then wait a year. And then season two of Sword Art Online comes out for Gungale Online. And then it's gone to the point where it's like, oh, fuck, we've come full circle. And I really love to hate this show. Because there is nothing good about it. At all. Like, th there is there's just nothing to go like there's nothing to go through not on a game standpoint not on a character standpoint not on a production standpoint not on like anything like there was there was nothing positive for me to take out of this series other than actually like lo like love hating it there was nothing else for me to enjoy about this and so we got to the end of it and i understand like let's just put it this way I stopped watching SAO just before the Mother's Rosario arc, where apparently it gets good, and, like, you have this really tragic uh, female character that bonds with Asuna, and, like, there's nothing else that anybody can do, and it's just, like, incredibly, like, sad, sad face, and everything else goes, but it's just, dude, I, I could not care. Like, I, I don't care about any of these characters. Like, nothing goes through, and it's just, like, guess what? You decided to put character development into Shinon, but you're but she's just going to be the side harem at this point like you you know she's not going to be a part of any like major event that's going to go through it's like oh yeah no but she's just going to she's definitely going to be able to like come into her own and, like be a main character it's like now when she's like staying in Kirito's shadow dude like Kirito like I could do an entire episode about why I hate Kirito at this point but it's like at this point in time, the best... I have not watched Alicization. I have not watched, like, the Mother's Rosario or, like, anything, like, related. The What people are saying at this point in time, the best parts about SAO are when Kirito is sidelined and Kirito is not the main character. That is all I've heard from the recent stuff of SAO. And it's just, like, thank God I didn't waste my time with any of this stuff. In terms of sequel series, of stuff that I just could not write as the same piece of work the first time that ever happened to me would have been it back in 2014 with uh the second season of psychopaths so like dude i cannot i i, I just cannot exact exaggerate how much that this is not the same show if you are going if you watched the first season of psychopaths written by genna and enjoyed the world the setup 
how exactly the world has been bent by Sybil's will and how the majority of the populace has to adapt and meld within that society, boy, you are not going to like the second season. You are not, you are not getting yourself, you're putting yourself into a good position by just like forwarding yourself what is supposed to be moving yourself through the next supposed part of this ever expanding story because it's not the same story. It is not. You have the same characters that react in kind of the same way that you would expect to, but all of the new characters that they decide to incorporate in this world are either slipshod and uh, shoehorned in at best, and then just like completely misaligned and misread characters about what they believe that how they affect the system and how it's supposed to, because it's just, I don't know, dude. Like one of the main uh, enforcers that go through the major that go through the second season is just kind of like, oh yeah, no, he's he's criminally asymptomatic, and he and he's allowed to be in, uh, he's allowed to be like a guard dog or or a dog or uh, enforcer. That's what it was, and that and it's 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 supposed to shift our entire perspective on this world. And it's like, nah, dude, he's just like really fucking crazy. And, and the story is just like writing him in where it's like, yeah, this is supposed to be a, this is supposed to be a complete contradiction to what the system is supposed to be, especially with the main villain who is literally, the main villain is just several different children sewn together with different organs and different hands and different feet and different like body parts to create like one person and Sybil is supposed to acknowledge that has like several different consciousnesses like put together as one or it's like oh yeah dude i've got the right hand of my buddy phil who is in the same grade as me and i can and i can feel his influence like on my body it's like oh my fucking god you can't be fucking serious oh my and like after that Look, Psychopath Season 3 was enjoyable to a degree with, with a different set of main characters. And then the movies after that were just... If I wiped it and, ex- and like, watched the sequel... Uh, the sequel Psychopath Season 3 movies as, like, diehard films? As, like, 80s, 90s sci-fi action films... I had a blast, dude. These were, like, incredibly fun, like, well-paced action scenes, one by one by one. But if you decide to inject any part of the original psychopath, like, season one DNA into any logic, any thought, any semblance of a scenario into it, it just all falls apart. Like, if you, if you watch the Psychopath Season 3 or Season 3 movies with the same perspective as the Season 1 world building, like, everything is just dog shit. But, but, if you can somehow write all of that off and then just, and, and then just, like, literally watch the entire, like, uh, like, set of movies as just, like, a diehard action flick, then, dude, you will have a good time. It's, it'll honestly be something that you, that you would enjoy. Something that I didn't enjoy, though. Oh, boy. Um, the entirety of what the production behind the scenes of a certain magical index. So, what I had heard was that they had two options, which was either 
like so JC staff had to either just remake the first two seasons of uh, a certain magical index by from scratch and then like push it forward as a new product or just continue on and then just make the third season which covered I think eight light novels and condense those into 26 episodes and try and make it work and see what happens. Fucking mistake, dude. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> this was... I'm trying to think what the rest of it were. So it's it's like there were a handful of series in the middle of the 2010s who were just kind of like, hey boys, guess what? We are never going to get a season two slash season three. These are the shows that are just going to get thrown by the wayside and are never going to be able to see another piece of their adaptation ever again. Um, so one of them, thankfully, hey, hey boys, guess what? First one was uh, Devil is a Part-Timer. Devil is a Part-Timer is getting a second season at some point in time, and that is hype. So, that was the first one that got broken. Or, sorry, that was the second one, I guess, that got broken. The one of the original ones would have been Spice and Wolf, and so Spice and Wolf is just never going to get a second season, which is definitely unfortunate. The light novels are completed, and they've already made a VR Switch game that is based around the hot springs that are at the end, the end game of the series, with uh, Holo and Lawrence's daughter. Uh, but I don't think we're ever going to be getting a full rendition of Spice and Wolf. I have all of the light novels downloaded on my phone. Uh, thanks, Bookwalker. But it's going to be a while before I jump into that. Even And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take even longer considering that I know what the end game is, even though I know that they're happy, but I want to see how they get to that point. Because I, I love those characters. I, I, I really do. Um, and the same deal with a uh, certain magical index, because I didn't, I'm, I'm trying to think. So it's a little bit of like a back and forth. I think I put like seasons one and two of a certain magical index at around a six and the sisters arc of like, uh, and, and then I put like railgun season one at a one, uh, uh, at a six and then season two the sisters arc at like a, at, a, at an eight like i really liked it but it was the same deal index season three when nobody is at, like we're never going to be able even though we know that there are over a dozen light novels that are still like through publication and then many more that are going to be coming we're never going to get an index season three and then index season three gets announced and everybody gets hype and we're all incredibly excited because we know we know exactly what's going to happen i read the entirety of the remaining novels that were leading up to new testament i know what leads up to index season three we had the majority of the stuff that was going into academy city we had the world war three arc that was finally going to be getting adapted everything was lining up and it was a piece <laughs> god there's nothing that i can say that would do it justice in the into the entire echelon of how fucking garbage it was you have no idea oh my god because when you're reading a light novel everything just seems better in your head and the majority of the stuff that you imagine that the characters are doing, even though the novels give more than enough of an app, ample adaptation or an apple scenario, <laughs> apple scenario, an ample scenario for you to work with to try and like visualize what essentially is going to happen. And it just didn't. 
and 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 they just didn't they just didn't put effort into it they they uh, because they had multiple projects that they had to work on but because they decided that this was the end game and that this is what they decided to do they had to force the project through and this is what we ended up getting dude oh my god it's so not worth it i i didn't watch railgun delta which is the most recent railgun series that came that came out and at this point in time like all i got to say is just go watch railgun it just cuz i don't know I, I i can't in good conscience because i know that it's like a guilty pleasure watching the first like season or two of index because it focuses more on the religious and uh, psychological aspect of Academy City, but it's the religious aspect inside of Academy City, which is a city built on science and espers and, like, psychic powers that are based around science. And that is something that is a lot more interesting, and if there's anything that I have to point people towards is that if you are going to get into anything related around a certain magical index or a certain magical railgun, so, sorry, a certain scientific railgun, just go into railgun. Because I know that it is of of a higher quality than anything else that we've gotten inside of the Index series. And if they do the New Testament light novels, that's way down the road if they do it at all. So it's just not... Guys, it is not worth it. Just watch Railgun, because that is all I have to say about that. So you don't have to worry about any other pieces of the puzzle that we ended up missing and we weren't able to enjoy to the fullest, which was incredibly disappointing on our part. So, oh boy. Cream of the crop. Probably my least favorite. I think all... So not these ones, even though they're on the list. So stuff like Darling in the Franks, stuff like uh, Bunny Girl Senpai, I'm sorry, Reddit, I did not like these, even though they had promising beginnings, but they didn't have, but they didn't have satisfactory ends. I will, I'll I'll have an episode where I go through uh, the the entirety of my relationship with um, like our anime, that subreddit, and just kind of like seeing how they were adapting towards that. But I'll leave, but I'll leave it out for now. But in this case... I've got to talk about what, personally, to me, is my least favorite set of series. And if I had to, like, off the top of my head, FLCL, Progressive and Alternative. Because I hate the production, and I hate myself for giving any semblance of hope and thought and hype towards anything that they were going to go through because I knew going into it, it was going to be production IG and I knew that the pillows were going to be back. And a month before this series aired on adult swim, they put out the soundtrack from the pillows and I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. I liked the music. I worked out to it. I ran to it. I was anticipating anything related towards quality leading up to this series. And you have no idea how little that decided to live up to whatever its predecessors were. I I fell, I personally will admit, I fell into the trap of nostalgia because I love Fooly Cooly. I seriously enjoy 
what that series was able to accomplish in six episodes, what it did in terms of a production standpoint, and what it was able to, like, mold through with action, with romance, with comedy, with drama, with a... Um, not an aging, but, um, not a growing, <laughs> not a growing up story, a coming of age story and what it's able to accomplish in those six episodes and the, what the pillows were able to contribute with that series. I would need an entire episode to go through the majority of what I want to talk about this series, but progressive and alternative fucking dog shit, absolute fucking trash like i understand that like trash is definitely something that you can also attribute to something like oh yeah no it's trash but i love it no like garbage filth vermin i dis the amount of not vigor and vitriol that i have towards this series is just so understated you have no idea so i think it was progressive first Yes, it was progressive first that I watched, and Haruko is a part of it, and also a separate entity of her is also a part of it, which is just... I, I really feel like I'm going to have to go through a, another entire episode about what I love about Fooly Cooly and what I hate about progressive and alternative. I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to put that down as, like, another bit, but... It's just like, you know, like, f with so much content that has been coming out nowadays, which is like homages and references to the majority of the content that came out in like the early 2000s and the 90s, and like bringing it back, like, I would say the most positive aspect or the most positive series that I can bring to light about that is like Creed. Like, dude, Rocky, one, two, three, and four, three and four being incredibly cheesy. Like, you, people still love that stuff, and you and, and you realize why people, like, really, like, appreciate, enjoy that stuff in the first place. But, like, progressive and alternative. Let's, let's go through progressive first, considering that it's just, like, girl with catty headphones doesn't get the world around her, and this one dude who, like, works his ass off just to, like, help his impoverished family just, like, kind of flows over the radar, and they bring through, like, one of the original, like, uh, aspects to the first show, which is, like, I'm about to overflow, which they always reference as sexual for some reason, which which is understandable because it's just kind of like, oh, you know, being able to overflow and all of your, like, mental capacity, it's like, oh, dude, I'm horny. Like, there's nothing I can do. I'm, I'm a teenager and, and I'm horny and there's nothing I can do. But it's just kind of like what the original was able to do was that I'm about to overflow is just stress of any kind. Like, it, it, the majority of the stuff that happened in the original series was just, like, incredible, like, mental trauma being brought to the forefront and realizing that it's not what you thought it was, where it was just, no, it's not because I like this dude, it's just because the majority of the relationship that I had with him was a lie, and he never really cared about me, and it's just, oh my god, I'm going to overflow because the majority of the stress is finally being able to, like, bring forth, and instead of being, like, the real world, which brings us into, like, a standard panic attack, it's just going to be like, oh yeah, no, I'm going to, like, open an interdimensional portal, and robots will fight it out, because it was just that fucking off the wall and that insane. But... I don't know, like, all the characters inside of Progressive are just so fucking, like, 
minuscule and ridiculously like underdeveloped and, and stupid is definitely like a, a strong but just underwhelming word and an easy word for me to like just write off the majority of this cast but it was just I was angry so much of the time watching this considering that it was just kind of like I was so waiting for uh like the references to the previous work where it was just kind of like, okay, so they brought back Kanti, they brought back Haruko, so are any of the dude, or is anybody, and they brought back, um, they brought back Amaro, Amaro of all guys. And it's like, he's exactly what you think he is. He's a bitter, he's a bitter adult because he hasn't moved past the majority of the mistakes that he did previously. And then it's just like, they're trying to give him, like, a redemption arc, but it's, like, the dude already went through what he did in, in like, the original Fully Coolie, so there's no reason for you to... There's no reason for you to give him the time of day. Like, there's there's nothing. There's nothing that you need to give this character. And then it was just... I, I was waiting for the entire episode to be like, yo, dude, Haruko's back, but, like, you're, you're gonna bring back Amuro. Why not bring back Nauta? Like, bring... If you brought back Nauta as, like, a late teens early 20s sort of dude and he rips out a bass guitar I would have lost my goddamn mind and it would have been like one of the hypest moments of this like of this series that is ripping off like look ripping off is definitely like there's so much inspiration like that, that you would have to bring off of this but it's just like ripping from all of the old stuff there's nothing original about this series it is it is just trying to bring back old assets and old like like, really rang out ideas from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, just to try and get something, like, palpable as a product, just to try and give something relevant that they could actually be able to sell to people, and it didn't fucking work, because nothing, because even though the music from the pillows was good, it didn't meld with any of the scenes that was actually going into, it was literally just trying to create a fucking music video that people would literally just overlay onto the track of any of the fight scenes that were going through, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, what about, uh, like, any thematic resonance or anything that was related to the music that was being played or anything that would be able to actually, like, pace the fight better to actually, like, match and uh, line up to the music. Like, anything that would, you could actually put into a music video. Like, hey, that'd be fucking good. But guess what? Nothing lines up. Nothing is even worth it. It is absolutely fucking maddening that anybody would actually, like, jump into this, like, watching FLCL, enjoying the original one, and, like, jump, and deciding to, like, give this up, uh, give this show an opportunity, and just think, wow, I actually got something out of this. It's like, no, this is so fucking worthless. And it's just, like, oh, yeah, it's a cash grab. Well, like, what are, what are you, like, why do you have anything to do? Say, like, why would you even promote it? Why would you even, like, say it's, like, you were the one that watched it, so why would we even, like, give any shit about your opinion? It's like, man, it's because I'm putting this out there so you don't have to. I am pulling a fucking nostalgia critic and just saying, hey, I remember it so you don't have to. You, nobody, nobody needs to watch this fucking show. Nobody. And so, let's see alternative alternative was the other so they're both these are both like six episode pieces that go through and like tell two different stories with two different characters with harahara haruko as its center but just nothing really goes through the only thing to be fair the only good thing that alternative does with 
for any part of its uh for any part of its runtime is just kind of kind of being like oh yeah no one character is moving away from another character and they don't know if they're friends but even though but the time they spent together is precious and they don't know if they'll ever see each other again where it's like if you had a friend like back in your childhood and they were moving away and you didn't know if any if they were ever going to come back and every everything was going to go and and if anything was going to go well and if you would ever see them again it would just kind of it was just going to be like okay well fuck it's like it sucks I really hope you're happy with where you're going because I know it's going to be a long time before I ever see you again. And I really hope you know that I cherish the time that we spent together. And I've had that moment and I've had that personal moment with like a a buddy of mine from my childhood, Andrew, who just went to the other side of the country and I would probably, and I wouldn't see him again for, in this case, another eight years. But it was just, even with that, like, mental, you know, with that mental scenario imprinted onto my mind, nothing else inside of the series, like, latched onto me. None of it was even remotely close to anything that it was able to convey. All all the characters were just so unbelievably bland. All the animation was just kind of like, oh yeah, no, we'll just throw some CG in there considering that there's absolutely nothing else that we can do because we're trying to make this product all all built on the nostalgia of everybody else that watched it because there's absolutely nothing else that we can do. So yeah, we don't have any of the original staff. We don't have any of the original creative minds behind this. So let's just bring in the pillows. It's like, oh my God. The only positive thing I can say about these two series is is that the Pillows made a pretty baller soundtrack to the rest of this. And I would definitely recommend going to listen to it on Spotify, because it's not... It's pretty good. Like, I really enjoyed this stuff when I was going through the majority of it and listening to it in the months that were leading up to actually watching Progressive and Alternative. But if there is anything that I can say leading up to the final of this is that just don't fucking watch progressive and alternative just leave those to die as a completely produced and alternatively aptly set marketed product towards anybody who had any semblance of a positive reminder and a positive outlook throughout any of the flcl production because honestly none of it is worth it And the only positive thing that I can take out of any of this to any of you that have decided to jump through this fucking near hour long rant to literally just sit here and watch me vent and vacate the majority of the negative thoughts that I have been able to go through today. The only positive outlook that I can go out and give to all of you that have decided to stick around for this long. Go watch Fooly Cooly. F-L-C-L. Fooly Cooly. That is all that I can give you. The soundtrack, the length, it is only six 20 to 25 minute episodes long. That is all you need to do. And honestly, if you decide to give this show a watch and you horrifically decide to take the same path that I did and give Progressive an alternative a shot, just don't. Just read what you found online. Just take the majority of the information that has been given to you beyond that and just take that as fact, considering that regardless of what the scores on this, regardless if it's stated as a 6, regardless if it's stated as a a 6.5-7, it's not worth it. Bully Cooley, the original, is worth it. The pillows are worth it. And that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Thank you.